Um, all right. Are you ready for God's word today? Um, yeah. Oh, I like that. Say, do that again. Are you ready for God's word today? Man, you guys, you convinced me. I think you scared hell just right there. I think every devil ran away. Like, I'm getting out of this place. They're going to mess me up today. Um, and so we're in this series called Anything is Possible. And, and I so want that to be our culture. And so we may leave this series, but do not leave that scriptural truth. Um, Jesus said it. If you can believe anything's possible to him who believes, the Holy Spirit said it to Mary. With man, this may be impossible. With God, all things are possible. So this is, I mean, this is the Bible. Anything is possible. And today you're in a room with the presence of God and anything is possible, right? And when you leave here, God's going to go with you and anything is possible. And when you meet in your life group, God's going to be there and anything is possible. Just look at somebody and say, anything is possible. Oh, we're about to have fun. I just, I feel the presence of God. And so Psalm 78 is where we're going to be. Psalm 78, you can turn or click however you get there. And hey, if you're watching online right now, um, did you see that? They switch cameras. <laughs> if you're watching online, <laughs> If you're watching online right now, uh, will you share, like especially if you're on Facebook, I think that's the easiest one, uh, share, share this link because what I'm going to talk about today is going to help somebody. And if you're, if you're just sitting there and you're soaking it in, don't, don't be stingy with it. Like throw it out there to the digital world. Say, hey, y'all should check this out. Like while we're just hanging out this morning, check this out. So share it. Like, comment, share, but, but share it. Um, Psalm 78. Uh, in, 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 in the series, Anything is Possible. Uh, psalm 78 is a psalm of Asaph. Uh, if you don't know who Asaph is, he's, he was a Levite uh, that David appointed, three Levites actually, one of the three worship leaders, essentially, uh, that David appointed to worship or lead worship before the Ark of the, of the Covenant. And so Asaph is from uh, the tribe of Levi, so he's a Levite. Um, and so he writes several of the psalms and one of those that he writes is this one, Psalm 78, which is the first and really, I think, the lengthiest historical psalm. In other words, it's going to cover some history. Sometimes we don't realize that in, in the psalms, there's a lot of different writers like Moses writes them, David, Asaph, right? There are different writers of the psalms, and they have different categories. Um, so they're not all songs. Some of them are prophetic, um, and then some of them are historic. And so this is one of the historic psalms, um, and it was written to instruct God's people, to instruct Israel. Um, and this was his burden because he even starts like, listen to me, you know, listen, Linda. But he, he's like, listen to me, people. Um, and basically he's saying we, we can't forget all that God has done for us. And not only can we not forget it, we need to pass it along to each generation. We need to make sure that we keep the testimony of the Lord. And one of the ways that we keep the testimony of the Lord is passing it from generation to generation to generation. And so this is why we do um, kids ministry. It's why we do student ministry. We're just trying to keep the testimony of the Lord, right, from generation to generation. And so we thank God for Pastor Jessica, and we thank God for Pastor Jada, Kayla, and our student team, our kids team, and all of the wonderful, wonderful serve team that are keeping the testimony of the Lord with our children. So we're just grateful for that. But this is why, because it's so important, because how many know when you don't know history, it repeats itself? And when you don't know mistakes that those that went ahead made, sometimes you make the same mistakes. And that's bad, right? And so that's what he's saying here. And so Psalm 78, we're just going to read four verses together, starting verse 40. It says, how many times they rebelled in the desert days, how they grieved him with their, their grumblings. I guess a grumbling. I don't know what that is. But anyways, is that grumbling state? Is that a university? College football, everybody. All right, anyways, how they grieved him with their grumblings. Verse 41, again and again, they limited God. 
preventing him from blessing them. You may want to underline verse 41. Again and again, they limited God, preventing him from blessing them. Such an incredible statement. Continually, they turned back from him and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They forgot his great love, how he took them by his hand, and with redemption's kiss, he delivered them from their enemies. They disregarded all the epic signs and marvels that they saw when they escaped from Egypt's bondage. They forgot the judgment of the plagues that set them free. That set them free. Um, I'm going to call it this one. I changed the title. So they may have the other title, but I changed the title. They're basically the same, but I like this one. I call this message Blessing Blockers. Blessing Blockers. It was Blessing Barriers, but now I just called it Blessing Blockers because I like that. And it's football season, you need to block. All right. Um, Blessing Blockers. Um, Will you pray this? Just everybody, even at home, if you're at home, pray this with me. Um, Jesus, come on, pray. Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life forever. Amen. All right. Blessing blockers. So, so Asaph is writing to Israel, and he is writing saying there's some things this former generation really messed up on way back when, and we don't want to make those same mistakes. And what he is pointing out in this, because Psalm 78 is historical, and he starts with this introduction, you know, listen, and passes along to the generations, and then he gets to um, the wilderness, and then all of a sudden he goes from the wilderness, he jumps back to the Exodus, and that's where verses 40 through 44, that's kind of that jump we just saw. And, And this is the reason he jumps. He's like, because that generation way back then limited God. And they prevented him from blessing them. Now, you got to do something with that verse. Because I want you to understand, I think one of the most crippling things to faith in, in the church, in the age in which we live now, is a misunderstanding of God's sovereignty. In fact, I would call it a demonic doctrine. And it's and not the sovereignty of God, but the way that most people explain it. Because the way most people accept and explain this, well, God is in control and can and will do whatever he wants to do. And that is completely adverse to the entire Bible. It is true that God is sovereign, but let's talk about sovereign. Sovereign means he is the highest reigning authority. It does not mean he micromanages creation. Okay? And, And the case in point is this. What Asaph just said is, God really wanted to bless them, but they kept him from doing it. Let that never be our testimony. God had really cool plans, but they totally kept him from doing it. And you're like, well, you don't limit God. God does. Well, this is what the Bible says about Jesus. It says, and he could do no mighty miracles in that town because they didn't believe who he was. That they limited the power of God in their city. We need need church to be the one place where we don't put any limits on God in our city, right? That God can heal and free and transform and and redeem. But you got to look at this because here's my thing. I don't want to do anything that limits God from any good thing he wants to put in my life. 
But according to Psalm 78, it is possible to limit him from doing something good in your life, to block his blessings. It is possible for us to block the blessing of God. And we want to live anything as possible. So if anything's going to be possible, we got to get blessing blockers out of the way. Are you with me? So I got five. It's okay. It doesn't make the message any, any, any longer. I promise we're going to make it. But I got five. In this, I looked in this verse, and, and just in these four verses, there are five blessing blockers. Five things that limited God. Five things that they did that limited God that I think we could learn from. And so write these down. Here's the first one. We're going to dive in together. Okay, dive in together. Number one, and I made these positive because I didn't want it to be a negative message. Because I could have said, don't do this. But instead, you see what I said? Flipped it on the positive. Now these are blessing unblockers. Like drain O for your blessing, baby. <laughs> I mean, I need a better analogy. Anyways, all right, number one, keep God's word. Keep God's word. Because look at what look at what Asaph says. Psalm 78, 40. How many times they rebelled in the desert. And when the Bible says that they rebelled, and we get clarification, we'll read this in just a minute um, in Hebrews chapter four. But when they rebelled, here's what the Bible is telling us. They, they disobeyed God's word. Very simply. This is what it means to rebel against God. Disobey his word. Like the word that we disobey becomes the blocker to the blessing that God has for us. And so they, we have to keep God's word. Now, I want to give you three ways to keep God's word. So I just kind of thought about keeping God's word. And then these are rephrases, but in three different ways. So how can I keep God's word? Number one, I can keep God's word by obeying it. So to keep God's word means to obey it, right? Because here's, here's what Asaph is telling us. They disobeyed. God's telling them, go forward into the promised land. Trust me. Follow me. Here we go. And they said, you know what? We'd rather go back to Egypt. It's safe there. We have onions and beds. So what they read the Bible, it's what they said. God's saying milk and honey, they're saying onions and beds. And, and, and when you look in Hebrews chapter four, now you got to think about this because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament's the Old Testament revealed. There's always a marriage of Old and New Testament. And so the Old Testament gives us a physical exodus and a physical promised land. But when we forward into the New Testament, especially in Hebrews, it is pointing out that this promised land is actually a spiritual inheritance that we can experience in the earth today. It's an inheritance of abundance and peace and all the promise of God. And, and, and this is what Hebrews 4.11 says. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter this rest or this promised land, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Here's what you need to know in the day where I love grace and we preach grace and there's a lot of people preaching grace and that's wonderful. Grace does not take from us the concept of blessing through obedience. Grace is there to cover our shortcomings, not to give us license for disobedience. Are you with me? 
And so just because our disobedience can be covered by grace, it doesn't take away from the fact that the blessing of God comes through obedience. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. Let's be diligent to enter his rest. Let's not disobey like they did. When I disobey, when I don't keep the word of God, I fall short of the goodness and the blessings of God. And the enemy, I think sometimes the enemy will preach grace to you to keep you from being obedient because he wants to keep your blessing blocked. That was good. And so he'll say, well, you know, grace, just live grace. No, 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 no. The blessing, the promise still comes through obedience. And the blessing sometimes we've yet to see is attached to the obedience we've yet to fulfill. And so when we say we're keeping the word of God, that means we're going to obey the word of God. That means we're going to live according to the word of God. So to keep it is to obey it. Here's the second thing. Keep it, to keep it is to know it. Like lovingly, let me say, ignorance is not a fruit of the spirit. Well, it might be a fruit of a demonic spirit. Think about it. No, it's not. Listen, this is what Peter said. Peter said, God's divine power. So get this picture. God's divine power, right? Limitless, infinite divine power has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness, heaven and earth. And then it says this, according to the knowledge of him. Now you guys see that. So here's unlimited power. Follow this. Unlimited power, God's divine powers, given to us, all things, unlimited grace. But you know what can limit God's power and, and God's grace? Your understanding. What you know. Do you see that? God's divine powers given to us, all things obtained to life and godliness. What? By the knowledge of his son, by the knowledge of him. So here we have unlimited power. So in your life today, what could be blocking the blessing of God is keeping the word of God in that this, what you don't know may be killing you. Because what can limit divine power or infinite power and infinite grace is finite understanding. This is why we have the word of God. The word of God tells us the will of God. It tells us the way of God. It tells us what God wants to do, how God wants to be, who God is, how he loves us, what he wants for us. The word of God says I can be free. The word of God says I can have peace. The word of God says I can be healed. It's the word of God. Do you understand? And if I don't know the word of God, I can't keep the word of God. And if I can't keep the word of God, I am blocking the blessing of God. So I have to keep it. I have to know it. Listen, you will never have faith apart from God's word. Listen, in my life, anytime I believe for anything, anytime, any tragic, good, bad, doesn't matter. You know what I do? I go to the Bible. I start finding verses so that I know what the Bible says about my situation. And then I have a book. I just start writing the verses. I like to write scripture. So I'll just start writing the verses. This is how I remember. And, you know, and then they come out, right? Because it's all in there. Because put it in there. Why? Because I want to keep it. Why? Because I don't want to be ignorant. And I don't want my ignorance to block God's blessing. I want to know, right? I want to know what God says. 
And so I want to keep the word of God. I want to obey it, but I want to know it. And I can't have faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. I cannot have faith apart from knowing what God's word says, because God's word reveals his will. Just like Jesus was the image, the express image of God, Jesus reveals the will of God. Like, what did Jesus do when he encountered someone who was sick? What did Jesus do when he encountered someone who was in need? What did, th that tells me what God wants to do in my life. Are you with me? So I have to keep it. So I have to obey it and I have to know it. And then to keep it as in guard it, like a goalkeeper. I guard it. And you say, well, why would I need to guard God's word? Because the devil's trying to steal it. Like, can I tell you his primary weapon of mass destruction in your life is just stealing the word of God, right? Isn't that what he did to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? This was the first attack on mankind. Did God really say? Mark 4 tells us the first way he attacks the word of God, parable of the sowers, is the birds of the air come and get the seed before it can get into the ground. That's what happens every weekend in churches all across the world. Like right now, I'm preaching, someone's DMing you, and you're like, who is this? Oh my gosh, I was totally waiting on this DM, and you're totally missing the word of God. <laughs> and you're texting somebody over here like, hey, y'all want to meet up at this restaurant later? And you're missing, you're not guarding it. You're not holding on to it. Like you need to hear it, you need to write it, you need to leave here every week saying, this is my word. I'm going to hold on to this word. I'm going to guard this word. I'm not going to let the enemy steal this word. Are you with me? David said, thy word, O oh Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I wouldn't sin. Like, this is what David said. My victory is all about what I hide in here. It's about keeping his word hidden in here. Are, are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Can I tell you what I think the greatest attack, the greatest attack I think on people today is the same attack that we see in Genesis, the same attack when the enemy comes to tempt Jesus. It's all about the word of God and manipulating the word of God and, and stealing the word of God. And here's what the enemy tells our people today. The word of God is antiquated. It is ancient. It's outdated. The word of God, what well, doesn't really mean that? And there are people doing YouTube videos that they don't have a lick of sense and no education, but because they want to justify their life choices or whatever, they, they, will, they know just enough Bible to be dangerous and they manipulate the word of God and change the word of God and twist the word of God to make it sound like their life is now per permissible or their choices are now acceptable to God. And God's up there like, I didn't write it. In fact, God's saying, you know what I did right? Anyone who takes any part of this word out or puts any part of it in will fall into judgment. That's what God, God's like, I wrote what I wrote. I meant what I said. It is what it is. Deal with it. That's the way God is about his word. Right? David said, your word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. Isaiah said, just as, just as the grass fades and the flowers fade, my word will, just unlike that, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. The word of God is going to be here when everything else is gone. Every YouTube video and every somebody's opinion about something, it will all pass away. And then the word of God will still be left. God's word is not up for negotiation about what we think about it. That was kind of forceful. I'm going to back down now. But listen, listen, listen. We, we got to stop consulting the word of God to see if it agrees with our life choices. And we have to start choosing the word of God as the standard for our life's choices. 
We got to stop consulting the word of God to see if it agrees with us and live a life that agrees with the word of God. Listen, the word of God is not a divine suggestion. It is God's divine salvation. It's not philosophy, it's power. And it's not optional, optional, it's optimal. His word stands forever. Not our opinions, not our thoughts, not our suggestions, not cool guy 8763 on Instagram that's got some opinion about how the Bible says something that he wanted it to say. When you read the Bible, you don't start with what you want it to say. If someone starts with, I need the Bible to say this, let me help you with how that, what that is. It's called heresy. I feel this so strongly. Can y'all tell? Just have grace for me. I'm having a great time. There's some things I just need to say because it's like people are living and you're being deceived out there because Bible guy 87 decided to explain what he wanted the Bible to say and you accepted. No, you don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. That's, it is sharper. It's more powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing asunder the soul and the spirit. Dividing joint and marrow. Do you understand? The Bible interprets you. It decides what your motives are and the thoughts and intents of your heart. That's how power, you don't read the Bible to get it to say what you want it to say. You read the Bible so you have a chance to live in the blessings of God by lining your life up with it. <laughs> Point two. <laughs> so number one, keep God's word. Number two, choose your words. Choose your words. Every time I say that, I hear the guy in Indiana Jones uh, remember where they were finding the cup of Jesus, whichever one that one's called. Um, and uh, and, and the, he, the guy drank from the wrong cup and he said, you have chosen poorly. And then he died, you know. <laughs> and then Indiana Jones chooses the right cup. It's a cup of carpenter, not a king. Carpenter chooses the right cup. He's like, you have chosen wisely. So what I'm saying, choose your words. You can choose poorly. <laughs> Or you can choose wisely. <laughs> it's totally up to you. But look at Psalm 7840. It says this, how many times they rebelled in the desert, how they grieved God with their grumblings. How they grieved God with their grumblings. Um, look straight ahead because this was none of us. But lesser spiritual people have been guilty of this. And if you just look ahead and nod, everybody will know, no, they've got this point. They're doing this, you know. Yes, Jesus. But I just wonder how many people are praying for God to work and then unraveling everything you're doing in prayer by grumbling about how he hasn't worked yet. Because that's what Israel did. Yeah, just let it heal you. That's what, <laughs> that's what Israel did. Because they wanted to go in the promised land with the milk and honey. And then every time something happened, we don't have water. You think driving across country with your little kids, like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You think that's bad? God took like 3 million people through the wilderness like, we don't have food. We don't have water. We don't have meat to eat. Like God, 
He is so full of mercy and grace. Because <laughs> he could, he, he, it's not like I'm going to pull this car over. He could have just went, and then it all been gone. But, but, but you have to understand that so many times our words block the blessing of God in our lives. Um, Proverbs 18, think about this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's break that down. So the tongue can kill something or bring it to life. So why would you pray for resurrection and then kill it Like, you know what I'm saying? I think this is what the enemy does. He so tricks us into using our mouth against God. But like we're in prayer, like, God, need this work. God, you can do it. And then we're like, you know what? I say, this is what it is. And ain't God no, he can do nothing about it. Yeah. Ain't never going to happen. I'm never going to be blessed. I'm never going to get ahead. Never gonna be, I'm always going to be sick. I'm always going to be something wrong. Are you with me? Like the other day, I was coming out of the gym, and I was, I was covered in uh, perspiration. <laughs> I was glistening. And, um, and so I was leaving and this person said, wow, looks like you had a good workout. I was like, yeah, it's like three minutes on the treadmill today. It's like, it's a lot. <laughs> and, um, the other person said, man, are you, you know, you're going to be sore tomorrow. And I said this, I said, I'm like 40 sleeping makes me sore. <laughs> These were young people that did not know the ways of the world. And I felt like educating them. <laughs> Like, I have a great bed. Sleeping makes me sore, you know? Um, I went to the chiropractor. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I think it's the way you're sleeping. I'm like, how can I injure myself in my sleep? <laughs> <laughs> used to I had to fall down to get a bruise. Now, apparently, I can roll over in bed and nearly kill myself. <laughs> Can't come in today. Bad accident. What happened? Rolled over two times last night. Apparently, body wasn't quite warmed up and ready. <laughs> Had to start stretching it out before we go to bed. <sighs> but here's what happened. I made this for real. Y'all settle down. Try to be spiritual. Here's what, here's what happened. I made that comment. I made that comment. And, and I said, you know, Lord, I, you know, sleeping makes me sore because I'm just an old man. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, if that's what you want. Don't you hate it when he sneaks up on you like that? <laughs> like I was having a fun time, giving a good joke. And he's like, if that's what you want. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you who love it will eat its fruit. Here's, here's what Solomon's telling us. You're going to eat your words. Your words are going to produce a harvest for you. And to me, when the Holy Spirit said that, if that's what you want, I thought about the words of Jesus when he said, you know, uh, have faith in God. You know, uh, uh, whoever, I say, whoever says this mountain be removed and cast in the sea and doesn't doubt those things, but believes they will happen, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. That's what I heard the Holy Spirit. And I know you're sitting there like, I don't believe in that blab it and blab it. And, and they used to call it name it. If you're like, what is blab? Okay, I'm going old school. Some of you, this will not make sense, are more 
seasoned saints, this makes a lot of sense, but he was talking about blab it and grab it and name it and claim it, meaning, meaning they would say, well, you're taking the scripture, you're just saying whatever you want to say. So no, probably sitting right here right now, if you say, when I walk out of church, I'm going to have a Maserati, it's probably not going to happen. But there is a spiritual principle that words have power because you see it all throughout the Bible. Even James says, he says, out of your mouth, you speak blessings and out of it, cursings. He says, some of you have got fountain confusion because you got bitter water and sweet water trying to come out of the same fountain and you need to decide if you want to have a sweet fountain or a bitter fountain. Are, are you with me? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, and so this is why I started saying, I'm, I'm not aging anymore. Aging was under the curse. I'm not under the curse. I'm going to, when I die, it's going to be the curious case of Benjamin Button. Everybody's going to be trying to figure out how that young man died. I'll be 83 and look better than I look today. And they'll be like, my God, how'd that young man die? Well, he was 83. Oh, really? Yeah, he doesn't look the day over 40. Well, you know. I'm serious. Because when God, when God gets all up in your business, sometimes you just better say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why David said in Psalm 141, he said, I've set a guard over. He said, Lord, help me to set a guard over my mouth. Why? Because I don't want to block your blessing with my words. So I want to keep his word, but I want to choose my words. Number three, I want to trust God alone. This is what it said they did. Again and again, they limited God, preventing him from blessing them. Continually, they turned back from him and provoked the Holy One of Israel. Here's what it said. They would, they would say they're going to trust God, and then they get frustrated, discouraged, or disappointment, disappointed and try to trust in something else. And so then they're like, no, 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 I'm going to, and listen, again, look straight ahead so, and just nod so we all think everybody has this and never has problems with this. But isn't it true that sometimes we get so invigorated in our spirit and we hear God's word and we're like, I'm going to trust him and we trust him and we try to trust him and then it, it, it doesn't look like it's working quite right or it doesn't look like it's moving fast enough or something happens that's adverse to something we're believing and then we go right back to trying to trust in something else, sometimes ourself and sometimes we'd rather, we would rather t trust in ourselves and get less because then that's something we can control as opposed to trying to trust in God for the more. And sometimes we're just, where are my control freaks at? We're just safer trusting in us because trusting in somebody else is just too much work. I'm the only one with my hand up. Oh, thank you. They're my people. Beautiful people. Anyways. Um, <laughs> And, and, and isn't it true that the enemy loves to talk to us about what hasn't happened or what we don't understand? Because I really think when it comes to trusting God, the greatest hurdle, the greatest battle you're going to fight is, is your experience and what you understand. And that's what the enemy's going to bring up every time. Like you're trying to trust God and you're going to hear that. Well, you know, last time. Well, you know, it hasn't happened yet. Are you really sure even God even said that, you know? Somebody else got their breakthrough. You still haven't gotten your breakthrough. <laughs> like, he's like greasy, but, but it, I mean, he doesn't fight fair, right? And if you're going to continue to trust God, then you're going to have to choose to live without understanding everything. Because yeah, right. this is what Proverbs said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Like, you get to choose. Do you want to lean on trust in you and what you understand? Or do you want to trust, trust God? 
And so many times, like what the enemy does is he pulls us into the arena of reason. Listen, if Satan can reason with you, he can beat you. Because he's going to fight with every bad experience and everything that hasn't happened and every disappointment. He's going he's gonna to jade reality, if you will, to look a certain way. And if he can pull you into the arena of experience, he will beat you every time. And you have to keep pulling him. No, let's go back into the arena of faith where I don't have to understand. I'm just going to trust God. And listen, this is the rest of God. Because how many know trying to figure it out and understand to hurt your brain? Last night, we, we went to see this movie, The, the Tenant. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Spoiler alert, plug your ears up, but it's confusing. I felt like my brain was in a blender. It's like Inception and the Matrix and the day after tomorrow, all in one movie, and people are going through time backwards. And we left the movie, and I was like, I'm tired. And what I'm saying, sometimes the enemy will wear us out trying to understand when if we can just by faith say, you know what? I just trust it was a good movie. <laughs> I just trust God, right? Just trust, trust God alone. Here's the third thing. Remember that you're loved. I, I was amazed when I read this, Psalm 78, 42. It says, they forgot his great love. They forgot his great love. Think about this. Not being cognizant and remaining cognizant of the love of God blocked their blessing. Isn't that incredible? No wonder the enemy fights so hard to convince you that you're not loved. No wonder he fights so hard to convince you that the love of God is based on conditions that it's limited and conditional and that, that it has to be won or achieved or gained or earned. And there are days that you are lovable and there are days you are not lovable and there are days God loves you and there are days that God doesn't love you. You know why he does that? Because he realizes if you don't stay aware that God loves you, that, that the love of God actually unlocks the blessing of God. It's, it's incredible. Galatians 5, 6, here, here's your great scripture. It says, for in Christ, um, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything. So, so in other words, rituals, religion, rules is not what avails anything. But what does avail everything is, he says, but faith working through love. Love there is agape, meaning that's God's love in the Greek. So he's saying, how does faith work? Faith works when I know God loves me. So if the enemy can convince me or cause me to forget that God loves me, faith won't work. Are you with me? And, and so, so the enemy, yeah, he tries to convince, like, like, oh, you know, I've messed up too much. I've done too much. I've, I've, I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm whatever. And, and, and the moment we forget that God's love is unconditional, meaning there are no conditions to gain it. You already have it. In fact, the Bible says, while you were dead in your sin, before you knew God could love, he loved you. And he hasn't changed his mind. Nor will he ever. 
I love this because in some versions, it says they forgot his love. In some versions, say they forgot his power. And I love it because both are right. Because love and power are two sides of the same coin. We're, we're, okay, the focus of his affection is always where he aims his power. If, if he loves you, his power is for you. All right, you want a verse on this? I, I, then I can put it on screen. But Psalm 109, Psalm 109, David says, Save me according to your unfailing love. Think about that. Because your love won't fail, your power won't. Do you get that? Like when you're doubting God's power in your life, go back to, but if his love won't fail, if he, if he, has, focused, if he has aimed his affection on me, if he has set his affection on me, he has aimed his power at me. Are you with me? And so you can't forget. If I forget God loves me, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to limit God. All right, here's, here's the fifth one, fifth one. Think about it. Think about it. That's the point. Think about it. And maybe the point should be think about what you're thinking about. But, but think about it because here's what they didn't do. They didn't think about what God had done for them. See, look at this. 78, uh, Psalm 78, 43, it says, they disregarded all the epic. That's why I like the Passion Translation because they put epic. They disregarded all the epic signs and marvels that they saw when they escaped from Egypt's bondage. They forgot the judgment of the plagues that set them free. They stopped thinking about what God had done. And because they stopped thinking about what God had done, they limited what God was able to do. Now, here's why. Because the enemy, here's, it's the battle's always, the battle is always in your mind. The enemy likes to get you to think about what God hasn't done or, in your opinion, what he didn't do. Check this. That's why in the Old Testament, a lot of times where God would speak or God would move, like when they crossed the Jordan, they built an altar. Abraham would build altars. Why? Because he wanted to worship at the place of victory. Because when I worship at the place of victory today, it strengthens me to step into victory tomorrow. What the enemy will do, this is so good, he will get you to build an altar where God didn't do what you thought. Oh, it doesn't stop there. And then he will get you every day to worship at the altar of what God supposedly didn't do. Because he does not want you worshiping at the altar of what God did do. Because if he can build your relationship with God around what you believe God didn't do or hasn't done, you will have no faith to step into what God has promised or has for you. Oh, I feel this so strongly. It's your word. I don't know where you're at. In the room, that room, that room, this room, wherever you're at, okay? Some of you need to tear down some altars. 
You need to tear down the altars where you've been worshiping at the place of what God hasn't done, and you're allowing what you feel like is a deficit to inform your faith in theology, and because you continue to worship around the altar of what didn't happen when it should have happened the way you thought it should have happened, you are limiting God from everything he has promised you in everything that he wants to do, and I'm saying you got to change altars. Think about it, right? Think about what God has done. In in my iPad, I have a list. And so here's, here's the list. I have a list of things God has done. And I have a list of promises God has made. And when I have the days and I have them too, just like you, and I'm uncertain or I'm unsure, or I'm thinking about the wrong things, I go back to that page and I, and I just read the list. Well, God did this. God, I thank you that you did that. God did this. Oh, God, that was a good one there. You got him there. <laughs> well, there was it. Well, God, no arguing with that. That was a miracle right there, yeah. And then I look over at the promise, and I say, well, I can worship. Because he did this. He'll do that. And, and no devil, I don't think I'm going to build an altar and worship with you in the land of Lodabar, or no pasture or lack. I think I'm going to build my altar just on the other side of the River Jordan there in the promised land. And I'm going to worship about crossing the river and making it through the wilderness so that we can go knock some walls down at Jericho. And then I'm going to worship there. And then we're going to move on from there. And I'm going to worship my way all the way into everything God has ever promised me by thinking about everything that God has ever done for me. That is... Ultimately, God and the devil will make suggestions on what you should think about. And ultimately, you get to choose which one you think about. Amen. Let's, let's build the right altars and tear the other altars down. Are you with me? Come on, give Jesus praise. And so you, you stand up. And so here's my, here's my question. Like, like there, I gave you five blessing blockers. And really what I want you to do today is, is see if there's just one of them. Maybe just one. Don't, don't let it overwhelm you. In other words, like, is there one? Like, like maybe today keeping God's word and you're like, yeah, I need to keep it or I need to know it. I need to obey it. Um, I, I need to guard it. That's, that's my one. Or, or maybe, maybe you feel like um, it's, it's watching or choosing your words. Or maybe you feel like it's trusting God and not turning back. Or maybe you feel like it's remembering your loved. Or maybe you talk, think about it's what I'm thinking about. What's your blessing blocker today? Which, which one is limiting God in your life? And that's the one we want to take home and change so that God can work. Amen. Will you bow your heads? God, we thank you so much for your, your presence in this room. And we thank you so much for your word, God, that is alive and powerful. God, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you for your word. And God, today, we, we, um, we don't want to limit you. We don't want to limit you, God. We don't want to block any blessing. And so, God, today, just speak to us. Show us. Show us. And with your head bowed and no one looking around, will you take just a moment before we leave God's house? And 
will you just ask him, God, what are you saying to me today? your own words, your own prayer, but God, what are you saying to me? And God, I just pray you'd speak to every person. Speak to every person, God. Let us hear you, hear your words, hear your voice. While our heads are bowed and we're just listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, I want to give an opportunity if there's anyone in this room or any room that's watching us, but if you're watching and I want to just ask everyone, are you, are you sure about your relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Not, not a knowledge of God or the Bible, not, um, not an understanding of religion but a relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know his voice? Are you following him? And if that's not where you're at, but that's where you want to be, I want to pray for you. You just say, hey, I need a relationship with Jesus. And you say, well, how do I know? Well, the Holy Spirit tells us. So right now you probably feel something, you're stomach, your chest. I don't know, you feel something that kind of says, yeah, you kind of need that relationship with Jesus. And then, then we can pray. And so wherever you're at, if you're watching, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you or anything like that. I would never do that. But, but, I, but I just want to ask you to do this very simple thing. It's just an act to, to say, God, here I am. And so no one's looking around, whether you're in this room. And I, if you're at home and this is you, I want you to do the same thing. But if, you're, if you need a relationship with Jesus, would you do this right now? Just lift your hand up. No one's looking around. Even in your living room, where you're at, just lift your hand up. Say, God, here I am. That's what I want. Simple act of obedience. And God, I thank you for those that lifted their hand. And if you lifted your hand, then we just, there's this prayer where you just tell God what you want. You want a relationship with him. It's simple. It's something like this. And you can pray it in your home or in this room. It just says, God, I believe in you and your son, Jesus. I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. I received the life of God, the gift of God, the salvation of God. And I ask you to cleanse me, make me new, help me to live for you. And, and you pray your version of that prayer. And I believe God will change something in you. It works from the inside out. And God, I pray every person that prayed that prayer, God, would feel your grace and your presence and your love. And God, that you would help them to live for you. And God, for all of us in this room, God, we, we don't want to limit anything that you have for us, our families, our church, our city. God, we don't want anything blocking the blessing of the Lord. So God, help us. Help us to trust and God, help us to have faith, to live for you, to follow you all of our hearts, God. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness and your great love for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give Jesus... Yeah, one more clap or praise or shout. Or... Absolutely. Listen, if you need prayer, please text prayer to the number on the screen, even in this room or in a living room, text prayer. 
We would love to pray with you. Everyone else say, big God bless you. We love you so much. We will see you next weekend at 5, 9, or 11 online or at the, at the construction site at 10. God bless you. We love you.